I think it's a, a shirt. I hate shirts. Sweaters. I hate that. I don't know. <laughs> wow. I think the best gift I've ever been given was um, a handprint plate by my sons. They made it themselves. So that's probably the best gift. Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I'm glad that you're here today uh, for this next installment, for our second installment in our series that we've called uh, just Simple Christmas. The idea today is we're talking about simplifying gift giving, and there's an outline in your bulletin where we're going to be talking about that this morning. Uh, and the idea behind this is that sometimes at Christmas, the whole spirit behind gift giving gets all confused. I mean, to give you an example, I remember one time when I was a kid, about eight years old, I was going with my family to a big family reunion on my dad's side of the family. Now, you, I'm the sixth kid in my family. All of the families, uh, the rest of my, on both sides, mom and dad's family, everybody had huge families, grew up on farms in Kansas. So going to grandma's house was 70, 80, 100 people at Christmas, okay? And so you didn't buy gifts for everybody, but you had a gift exchange where you drew names. Does anybody know what I'm talking about on this? Yeah. So that one particular Christmas, I drew a name of a cousin who was like 35 years older than me, okay? And so she and I didn't hang together or anything like that, you know? And I remember going shopping for this gift, and it's like I was asking my mom, you know, what do I buy? And she gave me some ideas, and so I'm buying this gift, and I'm not even sure who this person exactly is or what they'd want and other things. And I remember going there and exchanging gifts, and I got a gift from, from another cousin who didn't really know what to get me either. And my grandmother was on a fixed income and wanted to give everybody something, so me and my brother always got a pair of socks. So I left with a, a really full heart that day because I got a pair of socks and gave a gift I wasn't sure about, Okay. It's even at eight years old, I'm asking my mom, why are we doing this? And sometimes we get to Christmas and we feel all this pressure to give gifts and to get things done and get all the shopping done. And we go, well, now wait a minute, why are we giving gifts anyway? And if you've ever wondered about that, well, the Bible has a lot to say about Christmas and about gifts and giving. And I think there's some wonderful principles we can learn here that'll help us keep the focus on Jesus because he was God's greatest gift us. So today, I hope this will help us simplify our gift giving, and I want to have a word of prayer before we jump in. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that today, all the focus can be on you. We're two weeks in front of Christmas as I'm delivering this message. And Lord, I want to lift up the name of Jesus here today. And Lord, I want you to have front row seating in our Christmas observations. Lord, I want you to be the center of everything we think about here this morning. And so I'm asking, Lord, that you would speak and move me out of the way. You remind us of what was going on at Christmas and why we give each other Christmas gifts anyway. And then give us some practical principles on how to keep it meaningful and real. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, so I had a little fun with the title here on your outline. Just on Simple Christmas, came up with these complicated titles that really kind of impacted, though. Today, we're talking about simplifying gift giving so we don't blow our budget this Christmas buying gifts that don't seem to be appreciated. And if I can get an amen. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Okay, point one. I want to remind us in this first two points here of why we give gifts anyway. And Christians throughout the centuries have given gifts to each other because at Christmas time, we're celebrating God's gift of his son. I mean... 
you know, when you light a birthday cake uh, candles, you put a candle on the cake for each year. And that's why you have all the candles. The older you get, it looks like a forest fire pretty soon. Anyway, but the idea is, is that that's why you do that. Well, why do we give gifts at Christmas? If you've never thought about it, Christians have always done that. We give gifts on Christ's birthday to remind ourselves that Jesus was God's gift to us. 700 BC, Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's a prophecy about Jesus, God's Son. Jesus himself, speaking about why he came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. He gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And here's the note in your outline. Jesus is the best gift ever. Here's Paul reflecting on this two places in 2 Corinthians First 517, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Paul again in 2 Corinthians 9, thank God for his son. It's a gift too wonderful for words. Jesus is God with skin on. God became flesh. He dwelt among us so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. We all sin, and the wages of sin is death. We deserve to be punished for our sins. But God loves us, and so he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross in my place and in your place, so that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we can come to Christ and we can find forgiveness for all of our sins and a right relationship with God through Christ. If that's good news to you this Christmas, would you say amen? amen? I mean, that is a gift too wonderful for words. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we can find forgiveness through Christ Jesus. Paul says this is a gift too wonderful for words. Best gift ever. So why did Christians start giving each other gifts at Christmas? To remind us that God gave us the greatest gift ever when he sent his son. I mean, and the motive was this. The motive for the gift was because God loves us and God knew that we had a need. And he met the biggest need we ever had. We can't pay for our own sins without being destroyed for them. And so Jesus paid the penalty for us. This is amazing. God loves me. God knew my deepest need and gave me the gift to meet that need. So when we give gifts, the motive should be hey, I love you, or I see you have a need. I want to help you meet that need. Not, hey, draw a name for somebody 35, older, 35 years older than you, and good luck. Anyway, this is what we're trying to do when we give gifts, give gifts to people we love to help meet needs. Secondly, we also give each other gifts. Christians have always done this at Christmas because the wise men brought gifts to baby Jesus. This is one of the stories we tell at Christmas because it's in the scriptures in Matthew's gospel, but many times we forget that, that that's why Christians started giving gifts. People still do in other parts of the world, in many Christian traditions, they make a much bigger deal out of the wise men's story, the contribution the wise men made, than we do. In fact, this is where the whole 12 days of Christmas come in, that between December 25th and January 6th, there's 12 days. That's where that whole song, and you don't have to have a partridge in a pear tree or anything with this, but there are a whole bunch of observations. The Christ Mass, Christmas, 
you know, on the 25th, but then there's other observations that go on. And on January 6th, it's the day of Epiphany where the wise men come and they offer gifts to Jesus. And people did this for centuries, centuries and centuries, long before there were any uh, stories about "Twas the night before Christmas. And gifts were given because the wise men gave gifts. Listen to the stories again and keep this in mind. Oh, and by the way, this still goes on in Latin America and Spain. They make a big deal out of this. In fact, if you want to go to Disneyland in California, January 4th through 7th, in 2018, in a few weeks from now, you will have the celebration of the three wise men at Disneyland in California coming up here in January. It's coming up. People give each other gifts. And we forget about all this. Don't forget about it because this is an important contribution to our understanding of who Jesus is and why he came. Listen to the story again with that in mind of why we give gifts. Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. Now, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, and he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law, and he asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet, and he's quoting Micah 5.2 here, this is what uh, the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Well, then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men. He learned from them the time that the star had first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way. Flip your outline open, it continues. The star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Now, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. And when they opened their treasure chest, they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Well, that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, And they stayed there until Herod's death. And this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. And that's also from Hosea 11.1. What was going on there was Herod, by the way, didn't really want to worship Jesus at all. He told the wise men that, hoping they would come and tell him which child it was who was going to be the next king of the Jews. Herod saw himself as king of the Jews, and that was a threat to his throne. And so when the wise men didn't return and he realized he'd been tricked, he sent soldiers down to Bethlehem, and they slaughtered all the little boys, two years old and under, to make sure that if there was any Messiah there, he'd be killed, because that's what they had told him the star had appeared two years before. Now, I tell you all this because this is an important part of the Christmas story. God sent his son into the world, and you may not have thought about this before, but look at this note here, that those who truly desire to know God and are willing to seek him will find him. I want to remind us here that these three kings, these were wise men, astrologers, people who had all kinds of misunderstandings about who God was, who knew very little about the God of the Bible. 
that these three wise men had seen a star. God had appeared to them in some kind of supernatural appearance, and they were willing to follow it. And what this reminds us of is that when Jesus came, even at his birth, the good news went out to people who were far from God, who had almost no clue about his existence. Many people speculate the only scripture that, I mean, that would have come out of the Bible that they would have had, and you can write this in the margin here, is from Numbers 24, 17. I mean, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. There's this one prophecy there that, Naaman, that Balaam gave, and it says this, a star will rise from Jacob and a scepter will emerge from Israel. That there would be a star that would come from Jacob and a ruler from Israel. And that would have been what they had. They would have also had the prophecies that Daniel gave when he was in Babylon. And they would have had very few details. In fact, that's why they came to Jerusalem, because they didn't know anything about the prophet Micah and his prophecies of Bethlehem. They didn't know anything about that. They had almost no clue. But when they were seeking God, God appeared to them. And because they sought him, listen to what uh, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So even at Jesus' birth, he was drawing people far from God. Anyone who was willing to seek him could find him. I mean, parallel them with King Herod. King Herod heard the same prophecies read, where will the Messiah be in Bethlehem? Herod heard the same thing the wise men did, and he didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill him. And so right at the the birth of Christ, we see the huge division that's in humanity. That those who are willing to seek him will find him, and those who are not want nothing to do with him. My friends, at Christmas time, if you know someone who is far from God, pray that this Christmas God's heart, God will be stirring in their heart, that they will seek him. Man, this is the greatest thing about the Christmas story is that the good news, the angel said, it would be good news for all people everywhere. And even at his birth, people from Iran, from Persia, were coming who knew almost nothing about the God of the Bible. And they fell down and worshipped at Jesus' feet and gave him costly gifts. And that's the other note here. The gifts of the wise men providentially provided for Joseph and Mary and Jesus during their time in Egypt. Now, again, they didn't know all that Jesus came to do. They knew almost nothing. And they would have brought costly gifts that they thought were fitting for a king. I mean, gold and then frankincense was this beautiful incense that was used in worship and um, myrrh was a costly perfume that was even used in funerals. And they didn't know all that Jesus was going to accomplish in the world. But God had brought them there providentially, not only to worship Jesus, but to provide for Joseph and Mary. When they had to flee because Herod's soldiers were coming, Joseph and Mary took off and they had to stay in Egypt until Herod was dead. Well, what did they live on? Well, all the things that the wise men had provided. When Paul was writing the Corinthians, he was collecting a, an offering to help the people in Jerusalem who were going through a time of famine and they were in deep need. And so he, brought a, he was collecting an offering from the people in Corinth. And uh, he said, if you give, then we can help buy, it'll help buy food for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are living in Jerusalem during this time of famine. And here's what he said. He said, two good things will result from this ministry of giving when you give. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. When God gives us the right motive, 
and the right heart when we give, not only can we give joyfully, but other people will be blessed, and then they'll give glory to God. I mean, this is why it's so important, as you see this when we go through the rest of these steps in this outline, it's so important to check about, check, why are we giving? And to pray about the people we're giving gifts to. And will this bring glory to God this Christmas in the way I handle Christmas? I mean, think about that. That's why we give gifts. To remind ourselves that God gave us the greatest gift ever. We give gifts to remind ourselves that the wise men brought gifts to baby Jesus. People who knew almost nothing about God were able to find him because they sought him. And God used even the gifts of these people who knew so little to be the perfect gift for Joseph and Mary and Jesus when they had to fly, flee down to Egypt. I mean, this is amazing stuff. And if we're not careful, it can all get lost in the middle of our shopping. And we're just checking off lists. Okay, how many more to go? 13 more. Okay, oh, we're done. Praise God. Hallelujah. Happy Christmas. So, if we're going to keep things Jesus-focused, we're going to do things the right way, here are five things we can do to simplify our Christmas gift giving. First of all, number one, you and I can check our motives. We can check our motives. In the margin, just write, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? When Paul was talking to the people in Corinth about giving to their brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem, he said, look, don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And yes, he's talking about a collection taken uh, for other Christians who are hungry, but the principle applies when we give gifts anywhere. We should give cheerfully, not under pressure. And I've got to ask myself, why am I giving these gifts? Give as freely as you've received, Matthew 10.8, Jesus is instructing the disciples. Give freely, not under pressure. So here's some false motives, by the way. We don't need to keep up with the Joneses. Sometimes we give to keep up with the Joneses. It's just the latest gift. I got to get my kids the latest gift. It's the greatest thing. Got to have it. I don't remember when I was in high school or in college, but it was uh, one of the years where I did. I should have looked this up so I knew exactly what year it was. But there was one year the big Christmas gift was a pet rock. Has anybody ever heard of this? I mean, there was some entrepreneurial guy, an enterprising guy who took rocks, put them in a kind of a, a cardboard box shaped like a pet carrier. It had some paper straw in it and holes cut for air holes in it. And it was a rock in a box and it had instructions there how to feed and care for your pet rock. And I remember talking to a friend of mine. This is no joke. He wanted to give a pet rock to somebody else. And he said, yeah, I went to the store. They were sold out. <laughs> you can go outside. It's a rock. Uh, somehow, I don't think we were focused on the right things that Christmas, okay? But this was keeping up with the Joneses. Everybody's giving pet rocks, so I have to give a pet rock. Well, the motive of gifts isn't to keep up with the Joneses. The motive of gifts is, hey, I want to express my love to you. God expressed his love to me. I want to meet a need in your life. God met the deepest need any of us will ever have. Now, those are good motives. Here's another bad motive. We, need, we don't need to top last year. We don't need to do that. Well, I got to give more than last year because they'll be expected cost of living was 3%, so it's got to be at least 3% higher this year. What? Why? We don't need to give gifts to everyone on our contact list. Sometimes we feel the burden for that too. 
We don't need to give gifts to others simply because they gave a gift to us. Oh, they gave a gift to us. Then we to give them something. Here, wrap up the frying pan. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, come on. And you know what? I do want to say this too. A big part of gift giving is being able to receive a gift. And sometimes we carry on so much, oh, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have. It takes all the joy out of it. If you're really giving to somebody, just say thank you. But think about the motives here. We can check our motives. Why are we giving these gifts? It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be thoughtful. And that brings us to point B. You and I can develop a Christmas budget. This is important too. I mean, Christmas is going to happen next year. I've made this discovery. Christmas happens every year. Every year. Well, even if I didn't have everything budgeted this year, I can have a budget for next year. So if I'm going to spend, just for simplicity's sake here, $3,000 on Christmas next year, I can start putting away $250 in January, $250 in February, and that way by the time I get to next Christmas, I've got that money in the bank, and I'm not just swiping a credit card. That's the bullet point there. I can set up a Christmas savings account, put things on layaway. Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Shortcuts lead to poverty. The borrower is servant to the lender. How true is that today where, man, we didn't plan for it, so let's just swipe the credit card, and now we're still paying for Christmas 2015 this year with interest. Don't you feel the joy of the season? No. Another thing we can do if we have a budget, we can get creative and give gifts that don't cost a lot of money. Here are a couple of ideas. We can schedule a lunch, a walk, a day together. We can exchange good ideas like babysitting, um, good deeds, uh, babysitting, a car wash, computer assistance instead of store-bought gifts. We can give each other coupons for specific tasks that can be redeemed next year. Those things all work. I wanted to share with you a good idea that uh, something really wonderful that our elders did for our staff at a staff Christmas party just last week. Um, They gave each of us a gift box. Inside the box... They'd taken the time to contact some people, and some of you contributed to this. This is my box. Each of our staff people got one of these. Inside the box are handwritten notes from people um, expressing something they appreciated about us in ministry. Well, this didn't cost a lot. This means a lot. Why wouldn't that count? I mean, Christmas is a season of joy. This brings me joy. That's why we're doing this, right? We're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're trying to celebrate how God sent his son to meet a need, to show his love, to bring us joy. The wise men were happy to give the gifts. God had shown them where the Savior of the world was. And they just wanted to give gifts to celebrate. Yeah. Here's a third thing we can do to simplify Christmas. You and I, we can develop gift-giving guidelines for ourselves and for the people we love. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
Now, that's Jesus, and if we're celebrating his birthday, why would we think that a happy Christmas or a merry Christmas consists in the abundance of gifts? And yet we all know that sometimes kids have received all kinds of toys and other things for Christmas, and they all end up in a toy box, and three weeks later they're not even playing with them anymore. And so we need to set up some guidelines to say, hey, we don't want to lose the meaning of this. Gifts are good when they're given with the right motive. And in a way that doesn't throw us into debt. So what are some guidelines we can do? Well, first of all, we can have discussions with family and coworkers and friends regarding gift-giving expectations and limits. This is something practical we can all do. If, it, if life doesn't consist of the abundance of possessions, then why don't we say, hey, what do we want to do here? I mean, this happened with me and my siblings. I mentioned I'm one of six. Well, a few years ago, we all got together and we said, hey, you know, we're buying gifts for... Each of, our, each of us as siblings, and then we're all married, so we all have spouses, we all have kids, and now most of those kids are having kids, so we've got grandkids everywhere, and oh my goodness. And we decided, no, what we're going to do is we're going to get together, and we'll exchange gifts, one gift from each of us to the other siblings for that whole family. If you want to send Christmas cards and stuff, that's fine. But we'll exchange gifts within our own family, our own branch of the tree. And i got to tell you, when we had that discussion we all said, hey, this is getting hectic and hard, and we all live in different parts of the country, and we're spending a fortune on mailing stuff. Is that okay? And everybody went, oh, thank you. And you know what? We get together for Christmas now. It's fun. Our gift is to be together. We can have those discussions. If you haven't had that discussion before, even before this year, take some time after the Christmas party this year to have a discussion for next year. Here's another idea. There's a four-gift rule. If we don't want to shower too many gifts on people, well, we can limit how many gifts we give even with our own family. And there's all kinds of ideas floating around the Internet. One of them is the four-gift rule. You give people you love something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. The five-gift rule adds one more on there, something to share, like a game that has to be played with the whole family. And that way people aren't covered up. They have four or five thoughtful gifts instead of just lots and lots of gifts. And it simplifies things because there was a lot of thought put into these then. A fourth thing we can do is we can give gifts to people who are poor and needy and and can never repay us. And again, if we're staying within our budget and we're putting some guidelines on, that frees up some resources to do this. And so even if we're not giving as many gifts to each other, what we can say is, hey, as a family, we're going to do something special. I have down below, I'll read the passage in a second. Down below there, you see a web link to SamaritansPurse.org. If you go to SamaritansPurse.org, they have a Christmas catalog with 42 ideas that you could do as a family, where some of them are buying a goat for a family in another part of the world. A goat. Do you know that's not just as a pet? That goat is going to provide milk and cheese and things they can sell, things they can eat. Other people, you can buy a calf or a cow. Same reason. There are people there, you can help them recover from a hurricane or bring donate money for shoeboxes for kids who don't get anything for Christmas. And they have all kinds of ideas. What if we said as a family, hey, we're not going to have as many gifts this year, but we're going to take some of those resources, we're going to put it at, and we're going to bless a family that's truly poor and needy, and we're going to keep track of how that's going in the years to come. 
Here's Jesus again talking about um, what it would be like on the judgment day, the people going into heaven, the kind of people God rewards. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And this is Jesus. So I think he'd be really happy if we spent part of our Christmas giving on helping poor people who could never repay us. And you see how it works together. If we set up guidelines and a budget and we've prayed about our motives for this, all that works out. And if you flip your outline over one more time, there's a fifth thing I'd suggest here, and that is praying. Praying for our Christmas list. Some of you heard me share this before. One of the biggest, the most shocking discoveries I made after I gave my heart to Christ in college was after I joined a Bible study and the next semester before I uh, enrolled for classes, the leader of the Bible study said, hey, John, what classes are you taking next semester? And I told him, the classes I was trying to get in, he said, okay, let's pray about that. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he prayed that I would get into the right sections in class. And I remember standing there going, that had never even entered my head. I knew what it was like to pray for answers on a test. <laughs> but I had never prayed about the right professor. And I even told the guy, I said, I've never done that before. He goes, well, John, you don't think God cares about who you're going to be spending a lot of time with this next semester? He's trying to shape you now. Why wouldn't you pray about not only the exams, why wouldn't you pray for the right professor to give you the right knowledge that you'll need to move forward in life? God wants to be a part of every part of your life. Mind blown. Maybe that'll hit us this Christmas. God wants to be a part of our Christmas gift giving. And what if we went... And prayed before we went shopping. Well, what would we pray for? Well, we'd pray that we could keep Christ at the center of Christmas. We could pray for people who are far from Christ, like the wise men, that God would send something, even if it's supernatural, to draw them to him this Christmas. We could pray about our motives. Why are we giving this gift that we're giving? We could pray for our money, and that God would help us develop a budget, and that we'd live within it, and that God would help us be creative. We could pray for guidelines in our gift giving so we give thoughtful gifts, not just stuff. We could pray that God would open up an opportunity for us to bless a poor family. I mean, some of you did that with some of the uh, angel tree angels that we had this year. Some of you gave gift boxes through Samaritan, and it's amazing. But what if we prayed about these things? Does the Bible say to do that? Yep, Philippians 4. Could you read this out loud with me? Could we read this out loud together, please? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now look, if that's important all year round, 
how terribly important it would be to pray when we're trying to celebrate the birthday of the Prince of Peace. Remember, a child is born to us, a son is given to us, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. Well, why wouldn't I pray about my gift giving? So I can have peace when I'm giving people gifts to celebrate the Prince of Peace. So here's what we're going to do. We're two weeks out from Christmas. We're going to pray right now. Maybe God spoke to you today about something. Maybe God brought to mind someone who's far from God, and you've never thought about it before, but God did something supernatural in the stars to bring three Persian wise men who had very little understanding of God at all to bring them to Jesus. What if we prayed that God would do something wonderful and supernatural in the lives of somebody we know who's far, far away from him to bring them to Jesus this Christmas? What if we pray for a budget? Pray for our motives. We're going to do all that right now. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just want to simplify our gift giving this Christmas. I want to give gifts with the right heart and the right motive. I think we all do. Lord, all of us know what it's like to give a gift where you really didn't even know if somebody wanted it. All of us, like, all of us know what it's like to feel flat-footed when we receive a really thoughtful gift and we gave a gift that wasn't very thoughtful at all. And God, this Christmas, we'd like to do better at giving gifts. We don't want to just give a lot of gifts. We want to give good gifts. Because you gave the perfect gift to us in Jesus. And the first thing we want to do is thank you for Jesus. If you haven't thanked God for Jesus yet this Christmas season, will you say, thank you for Jesus, a gift too wonderful for words? Oh, Father, would you show us somebody who's far from you? If you know somebody who's far from Jesus this Christmas, would you pray that God would send a star in the heavens if he has to, that he would send some sort of marker or messenger to bring that person to Christ? He brought the wise men. God, you can do it again. Father, we come before you and we pray about our motives for giving. Pray, Lord, we give for the right reasons, not just to check a box or keep up with anybody else. We give gifts because we really enjoy people and love them. And we want to bless them or help meet a need. Please show us how to set limits. Please show us how to set up a budget. We want to be good stewards of our money. We want to be good stewards of our time together as a family. And Lord, we'd love to have some money available to bless people who are poor and who can never repay us. Forgive us, Lord, for not praying about things as often as we should. And thank you, Lord, that you are always more ready to listen than we are to pray. Please bless our celebrations this Christmas. Let us give with joy. We pray these things and ask for peace because we want to celebrate the Prince of Peace. In the name of Jesus.
Amen.